Uh, let me give you a quick introduction because we're going to get right down to business. Uh, my wife, Shelly, and I, we have three kids. Two of them are incredible. And um, they're just trying. No, they're, 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 we love all three of them. And uh, they're amazing. Uh, we have Ashley, who's 20. Morgan's 19. Our son, Dylan, is now a junior in high school. And they all, as little children, were running all around Res Kids right here in your church several years ago. My wife and I met at Resurrection Life Church. So she blames you for that, okay? And uh, we attended Res Life for like 14 years. And I got to tell you right now, I know Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie are here, and I never want to give up an opportunity to say thank you. Thank you for changing our life and investing in our life. God used you to do some incredible things, and we're, we're forever grateful for this being a place that we call home. Uh, we live in a small kind of a town called Folsom, it's in California, just outside of Sacramento. Johnny Cash, anybody heard of Johnny Cash? Yes, it's that Folsom. Yes, there's a prison down the road. Yes, it's that song. And we just love where we live. We've lived there for a little over five years. And um, God's just doing some just neat stuff in our life. And we're just stoked about what's going on. Uh, I did bring a book. Pastor Al let me. I was in Holland, Res Life Holland this morning. And um, I'm not here to sell books. If you want one, just take one. If you want to give 10 bucks for one, go ahead and do that. Please, my wife will be happier. But I wrote this book just this year. And uh, here's the reason why, just real quick, is I survived five of the worst years of my life. I'm pastoring in a church, married. Of course, our kids are doing all the family stuff. And I went through a very dark season personally. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't know if I was going to survive or come out of it with my heart being whole. I was bitter, I was unforgiving, I was angry, and I literally had thought, God, why have you abandoned me? And I was even angry at God. But by his grace, he brought me through that season of five long years, and I discovered a lot about myself that I didn't realize. That was one of the most scary parts. And I learned a whole lot about our loving Father that I had never experienced before. And here's, here's something I learned, is that God often does his greatest work in us through our greatest season of trial. And, and when I got through this and I lived to tell about it, I really felt like God said, this, I want you to tell this story. Because Scott, you're not the only one. You're not the only one who loves me, who wonders where I am when things get hard. And so I wrote this down, I, what I learned in scripture, and it's called Now What? And honestly, look at following Jesus through life's difficult times. And if that resonates with you at all, grab a copy. Anybody want this one right now? I mean, seriously. Okay, right here. I'm going to set it right here for you. Okay, you can come on up and grab it. And if you're all nice and kind to me, I'll give this one away in a couple minutes too. But you got you know, you to earn it. You got to make it work for something. Um, Folsom, California. I go to breakfast with a friend of mine. His name's Rick. And we go to this restaurant that used to be an outpost for the Hell's Angels. It's called Purple Place. And we go to meet, and for, it's a you know, typical mom and pop breakfast shop, and we're sitting down, having breakfast, even before the food is served, and Rick looks me in the eye, and you can just tell, you know you, when you're with someone, and you can tell something's going on. Something is bothering them, and Rick just looks me in the eye with all sincerity, and he says, Scott, when God does something in our life, does he just do it, or do we have anything to do with it? And I thought, what an incredible question. 
when God does something in our life, does he just do it? Or do we have something to do with it? Think about it for a moment. We have a lot to do with it. In fact, let me show you something. Go to your Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many of you guys are like paper Bible people? You're never going to change. It's all about the paper. That's the way Jesus would have done it. Okay. He's <laughs> so old-fashioned. Anyway, okay, how many of you guys are like Bible app? That's all I need. Bible app in my lap. I'm good. Here we go. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what it says. It says in verse 15, he died for everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. That includes your in-laws. That includes all your Instagram followers. It even includes the crazy fruits and nuts from California, okay? It says Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, anybody here that's received new life in Christ? Come on, the loud, the proud, the rowdy crowd, right? Receive new, receive, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Ouch. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. It's in that verse that I see just this whole concept and this biblical idea of surrender just saturating that scripture. When I was a, a kid, before uh, TV was as violent as it is right now, the typical cops and robbers show, what would often happen is you know, the robbers would do their business and they'd be on, on the run and the, the police would be in hot pursuit and they'd chase them down and at some point they'd all get like face to face or they'd run like, they'd like freeze! Drop your weapon and put your hands in the air. Anybody remember like old school TV where they used to do that kind of stuff? I think Jesus does much the same in our life. Not that he's pointing the, the gun at us saying, freeze! But when we give our life to Christ and we receive that new life that he wants us to experience, he says, stop everything. Hold it all loosely. Because I'm going to take your life in a totally new direction. Let me show you. Go to Mark chapter 8. Okay, Mark chapter 8. You guys still with me? I mean, we're just getting started here. Y'all good? All right. There's some familiar faces out there, too. I notice some of you guys are looking really good. Others of you, Rod, you got to work on it a little bit, but good to see you here tonight. Here's what it says. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, that's interesting, isn't it? Jesus' audience is both the convinced and the curious, which is probably the way he always wants it to be. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you should turn from your... Come on, are you awake? Jesus says, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And then he goes on, verse 35, if you try... Anybody ever done this? I know I have a bunch of times. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. It's as if Jesus is saying, hey, I've come to give you a new life. And as much as you want to grab hold of that, if you try to do that while simultaneously holding on to your old life, you're going to be pretty miserable because it doesn't work that way. He says, if you try to hold on to your, to your life, we're going to lose it. But he says this, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Many of us have heard that a lot of times. But just think about it. What do we benefit 
If everything in the world that we desire were to be ours, yet at the end of the day, we lose our own soul. And then Jesus wraps that up and he says, is anything worth more than your soul? My friend Rick says, when God does something in our life, does he just do it? Or do we have anything to do with it? We have a lot to do with it. Because surrender, in my opinion, is the key that opens, unlocks and just opens the door for God to move in our life. In fact, I kind of have a working definition of surrender that might, might be helpful for you. It's this, that surrender is, whole, is, is holding loosely everything that's temporary while making a priority of all things eternal. It's holding, holding loosely everything that we know is just temporary in this world while making a priority about everything that God says is eternal. When we first moved to California, um, we, we live, uh, where we live, it's a wonderful area. We just love it. Um, we're two hours from San Francisco. We're 90 minutes from Lake Tahoe. And I remember when we first moved there, we took the kids up to Lake Tahoe. It's like a 90-minute drive. And, uh, and I'm excited because as a kid, like when I got to go to Lake Michigan as a kid, it was a big deal. I mean, that was a big day. We're going to the big lake. And so I thought, this is going to be incredible. We're going to go to Lake Tahoe. So we drive up, and we get to the lake. We've got all of our beach equipment and all this stuff, and we take it to the beach. And I'm like, all right, kids, let's go. Jump in the lake. And they run, and they get in the lake. They're like, whoa, they back right out. Anybody know why? Yeah, if you've been to Lake Tahoe, what, what is it? It's just melted snow at 6,200 feet in the air at 1,600 feet deep. It's a cold bowl of water, man. And they went in about ankle deep, and they're like, ah, and the girls are screaming, and they get out, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? We've, we came all the way up here. we got to get in the water. So I had this cool parenting idea. I decided to bribe them. And I said this. I said, guys, there's no way you can go to Lake Tahoe without telling the story that you went in, that you got in the water. So here's what I'm going to do. I will give each of you 10 bucks if you will not only get in that water, but if you go all the way out and go all the way under. I kid you not, that water warmed up like that. <laughs> they went out, and they went down, and they went under, and they came up, and I was, I was out 30 bucks, but I thought, this is cool. They did it, and they ended up having a great time swimming in Lake Tahoe, and it just warmed up really fast when I gave, gave them that reward. Yeah, I was out 30 bucks, but it was awesome. It was awesome. And that to me is just this idea of like, what is it like to go all in? What are we missing out on when we hold back? Because I think, I, I, I wonder, is how much disappointment, dissatisfaction, and frustration in life is due to our holding too tightly to the stuff that's temporary? And why do we, speaking to myself first, why do we have such a hard time of letting go? And going all in. We got to, oh, Jesus, I love you. Again, I'm, I'm, and I'm preaching to myself first, believe me. Lord, I love you. You've died for my sin. You've rose again. You've come to give me a new life. Jesus, I'm all in. Ah, you want to do that with my life? Stay back. That's, that's uncomfortable. But he's constantly calling us. Come on. All in. Surrender. Hold loosely to the stuff that's temporary. 
Make the priority of the stuff that's eternal. So what is it, though? I mean, we say surrender. It's, it's kind of an ambiguous statement, isn't it? Like even with the song, I love the song, I Surrender All. What does that mean? What, do I, what am I supposed to surrender? In my experience, and what I see in Scripture, is that God is always at work calling us to more and more surrender of what I kind of call the three buckets. Everybody say the three buckets. Here's one. I'm going to bring one out right now. I've got them back here. And here's one of the big ones that God is always calling us to surrender. And it's this. Everybody say it. Oh, yeah, we're going there. We're going to go there. And it's this thing. God's always calling us to surrender our sin. Let me read something to you out of God's word. And you can just listen to it. You don't have to turn there unless you're super, super fast. Psalm 51, King David is reeling in remorse over his sin. And he says this in verse 10. God created me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Here's a man who scripture says his heart is after God. And it's the sin in his life that's grieving him, stealing his joy, robbing him of the intimacy with his heavenly father. And in remorse and repentance, he's like, God, I'm sorry, don't leave me. Restore to me the joy that I once had. Give me a desire to obey you. Did you know that God gives us the gift of conviction? It's like this sense, like where I live, not everybody has been taught scripture as well as you guys have. And we talk about conviction, and it's like, it's just that, it's that, that conscience that God gives us. He says, oh, hold on, that, that's not good. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go that way. It's this inner turmoil that happens. We're about to do something, and God's saying, no, no. And then if we do it, how many of you guys have done it? Whatever it is, it's it. You know what it is, right? Then he gives us the gift of repentance. Well, we're simply saying, all right, God, I agree with you. You're right. It doesn't work out too well. Forgive me. And I believe, I've seen it in my own life, God's always at work saying, surrender your sin. Surrender your sin. Get closer to me. Be more intimate with me. This is creating distance between you and I. Not to condemn us. He's wooing us in. And when we say, okay, God, I agree with what you're saying. This in my life is drawing me away from you. It's just pulling me farther from you. And it could be the simple stuff. It could be simply, it could be being judgmental in our heart towards someone else. Believing we're better than someone else who's made after the image of God. It could be lashing out in anger at home when we get home from church. None of us have ever done that, right? It could be stealing at work by wasting time scrolling through social media when we're getting paid to do a different job. It could be an addiction that we know God was saying, don't go down that path, and now we're down that path, and it's just that slippery slope. He's always calling us out to more surrender of the sin in our life. And then the other, another bucket that I've experienced in my life, oh man, right here. Stuff. Everybody say stuff. stuff. 
oh gosh, now we're starting to meddle, aren't we? Like we're being hyper-spiritual over here, but now we're getting really practical. Here's what Psalm 24 says. It says, the earth is whose? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all the people, all its people belong to him. And I'm not going to spend any time on this because you're a part of a great church who has taught us well how to invest our resources into the kingdom of God. But God's always calling us more, surrender it. Don't hold it so tight. Hold it loosely. I've never experienced that God has required me to give everything I have. But I have experienced that God is always saying, hold loosely to everything you have. Because I might deploy it to help someone else, to reach someone else. Everybody say stuff. And then here's a bucket. Oh, this is going to make us uncomfortable. I know. Everybody say self. Scott, what do you mean by self? What are you talking about? Look at verse 34 in Mark 8. Here's what we're going back to it. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. And here's the challenge. This is the bucket I feel like I live in. That God is always calling me to surrender more of who I believe I am. To embrace more of who he says I am. He's always challenging me to be of godly character. This is that interior space of character and integrity and control. Nobody here has control issues, right? No, oh, I know, we love Jesus, but we try to control everything around us and in our life, and, oh, Lord, I love you. No, 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 no. This is the stuff when we perform for other people for approval because we're not trusting that God's enough to get us where he needs us to go. And here's the catch with this, in my experience, is that we can, we can do a pretty good job, at least publicly, of surrendering our sin. You know, the socially unexcusable sins, right? Yeah. I, I'm looking pretty good. I'm looking pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm kind of cleaned up. And then I can even be generous, which is incredible. Continue to be generous. And I can be generous and, you know, and holding it all loosely, and I can look like a really good Christian. But my inner world is just jacked up. This is where I lived for a long time. This is the place where God never lets us off the hook. Yeah, you're, there's less sin in your life. Yeah, you're more generous. But I want you to not try to control everybody around you. I want you to be walk in contentment because you're trusting me to be your source. I want to give you joy that surpasses all of your circumstances. But we've got to surrender ourself, our identity, our desires to him. So here's my question before we pray. Which bucket is your struggle tonight, right now? And Al, don't tell me none of these buckets relate to you. Because <laughs> if we're following hard after Christ, he's always at work saying, surrender something, surrender more. And if you're anything like me, 
and you're willing, we're willing to be honest with God, here's what I feel like sometimes. I feel like, okay, Lord, um, how about I just kind of camp out on all three? Because, God, I got, some, I got some self issues. There's some sin I'm, I'm not letting go of. I think I'm getting away with it. Some stuff I'm holding on to that you're asking me to release for your use. And when we get to that place where we hold it more loosely and we say, God, it's yours, that's when we cease being God's small G in our life and we bow to God. It's when we let go of control and allow God's plans to unfold in our life. Guys, you can take it to the bank. Surrender is the key that opens the door for God to do a greater work in our life. A few years ago, actually several years ago, when I was still working here at Res Life as a children's pastor, um, Pastor Al and Agnes Kirkstra were part of our team, and we would go up to their cottage up, up north a little ways. And a bunch of us went up there one day for a, a barbecue. And uh, we're at the lake, and we go down to the lake, and Al gets the boat out and gets the inner tubes out. And um, he's like, yeah, let's do some inner tube rides. And so I thought, oh, this is great, man. It's going to be super fun. So I go in, and I get in the inner tube, and I'm sitting in the inner tube in the water, okay? And you're kind of just kind of floating in the lake. And I said the dumbest thing I could ever say. I said, hey, Al. And he kind of looks back at me. I said, I bet you can't throw me off the tube. Now, Al might be one of your pastors, but I guarantee you in that moment he was possessed by the devil. <laughs> I'm telling you, his eyes lit up and he just, you just grinned at me. You may not even remember it because you do it to everybody probably. And he just grinned and he knew better. And we take off and we're going around the lake and, you know, going across the wake and it's all good. And I'm you know, having this self-talk. I'm like, see, gotcha, man. This is great. I, he can't throw me off. And then he just kind of... And we start going faster, and then we start, doo, doo. you guys ever tube four? And you're like, your teeth are rattling in your mouth, and your bones are like, and I'm, all my muscles are tensed up, and I'm holding on for dear life, like, goo, 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 goo. Well, I got this, man. I, I can do this. And then he banks it hard. <laughs> and I hit this wave, boo, and I went flying through the air. My life flashed before my eyes. I was, I, I, I saw angels descending with a stretcher in their arms. <laughs> and when I came, it felt like it was about five seconds in the air, like, oh my Lord, what have I done? And then, bam, I hit that water, but it turned into a slab of concrete. Oh my goodness, it was so hard. And right when I hit it, crack, right in the back of my neck, I heard this loud crack. And I lay in the water, and it was the first time, because I was pretty ignorant, it was the first time I realized, you know, a life jacket isn't because I can't swim. A life jacket is for moments like this, when I can't move. And I'm laying in the water, floating, and I, I, I just had this throbbing pain from, from the base of my skull all the way through my feet. And I'm laying there just going, oh, Lord, 
oh, Lord. And, and I, I'm like, okay, move your toes, move your fingers. Okay, I can move. I start moving like this, and he, Al's turning the boat around, coming my way. And I couldn't, I couldn't let him know it. it hurt like that, right? So I flip over on my front side, and I'm, I'm doing the doggy paddle up to the boat to hop in the back of the boat. And, you know, you got to climb. I'm like, I'm climbing up like, oh, no big deal. This is all cool. And I'm dying on the inside. And I get in the boat, and two questions are in my mind. First one, or two thoughts. The first thought is this. Don't ever taunt the man who holds your life in his hands. Don't ever do that again, Scott. And here's the second thought I had. I should have let go sooner. I knew it. When he was gunning it, and you made that, to that started into that turn, I should have just quit fighting it and just let go. You guys know the point I'm making. Stop fighting it. Just let go. Pastor Ken is leading worship, and he's like, if you want to just surrender something to the Lord, you come up here and kneel, or however you want to express that. And I thought, man, Ken's stealing my juice, man. That's my moment. <laughs> And Al's like, he's, ser- he's teeing you up well, he's serving you up, whatever you, you said. And I thought, you know what? Ken probably did that. God probably asked you to do that because some of us are here. We're like, the pain is too much right now. I have to let go. There is no hesitation. But I want to speak to those of you who are like me. And God might be speaking to you very clearly about a sin in your life you're holding on to or some stuff that you know he's put in your heart to invest in someone else's life in some way and maybe you're holding on to self God I know you love me but this is who I am I am a self-made man and I will not admit I'm in desperate need of you right now and if you're like me you wouldn't come up when Pastor Ken asked us in the beginning because you let it go let it go if you want a moment with God let it go and surrender that stuff the three buckets I want to pray for you and then I'm, this is kind of the improv moment, right, Ken? I'm just going to ask if you could have a moment of worship. However you want to do that. If you want to come and kneel and say, God, and just, just confess it. Name it. Lord, I'm, I'm disrespecting my wife. I'm speaking down at her. Lord, my peeking into internet porn is starting to get a hold of me. God, my my social media is distracting me from time with my kids. God, you're asking me to become, to trust you and to begin investing 10% of my income into the work of the kingdom in my local church. Name it. He's already named it for you. Just agree with it. So you might want to, you might come forward and pray. You might stay in your seat and just worship for a moment. Uh, Deb Kurgis and the, and the prayer team will be up here just kind of hanging out around here. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. I know this, that every time when I was at Resurrection Life Church in all those years, either Pastor Dwayne was speaking or crazy people like Rick Renner and all those wild folks, and they had this moment like, yeah, maybe you want to come forward. 
And I'm the guy back there, you know, every time I stepped into the aisle, I felt the power of God move just like that. You want to know why? Because when our heart comes out of hiding, God responds. Come into the open. It's a posture of humility, and God moves. Father God, well, thank you that you're calling us to a life of surrender. And Lord, we just, we, we confess right now, this is not condemnation. Because on the other side of our surrender is more of your presence in our life. So Lord, I pray that right now you'd make it clear to any of us, all of us, what do we need to let go of? We hold it loosely, Lord. And we worship you, God, as we surrender to you right now in Jesus' name.